Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is drive time. Elliot Danker, Timothy Go and Chua Tian with you. It's now time for Market View, where in companies to watch today, we've got Genting Singapore. But first, closing bell. Well, as always, a quick recap of how we started the day. Singapore shares slipped at the open after the Ministry of Trade and Industry narrowed its official full-year growth forecast for 2023, citing a weak external demand outlook for the rest of this year. Now, in early trade, the Straits Times Index was down 0.2% to 3,316 points after some 34 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Now, off to the closing numbers, the benchmark STI closed down 0.86%. We are looking at 3,294 points. In terms of value turnover, that's 1.03 billion Sing dollars. Now, gainers trailed losers 263 versus 319. Top advances, Jardine Cycle and Carriage, Isetan and Best World. Top decliners, DBS, New Incorporation, USD and UOB. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have Gunting Singapore because the integrated resort operator posted a net profit of 200 176 million sing dollars for the six months ended June. And that, by the way, is more than three times uh, an earnings seen in the same period a year ago. Now, meanwhile, economic developments continue to be on centre stage, looking at what's happening in Singapore and in the US. Well, for more market moves and views, we are joined by Benjamin Goh, Head of Research and Investor Education at Sias Ben. Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Great to have you on board. And let's start with the usuals. How did the STI close for the week? Well, the STI is down about 0.3% this week, uh, more or less in line with the broader U.S. market. Uh, it does look like we may be entering a risk-off period uh, mm-hmm. as the country garden debacle brings focus back to China's growth issues uh, as well as the structural problems in mm. its uh, property sector. Now, uh, the bond market has already priced in a country garden default, but I think this has the potential to dampen sentiment further. Mm. Uh, so we may see choppy trading uh, next week. Uh, ben, any thoughts on some of the biggest movers today? Uh, sure. So financials and REITs are down. So that's unsurprising because uh, investors probably want to lower their risk heading into the weekend. Uh, the, dyna- the dynamic duel of uh, some oil corp industries as well as capital corp is still holding steady. Uh, they've been performing quite well for, for the last few months. Uh, Gunting obviously popped because of his good results. So in short, uh, pretty much it makes it back, but nothing earth-shattering. Ben, let's uh, zoom in on Genting Singapore. The integrated resort operator posted net profit of seven, uh, make that two hundred seventy-six point seven million for the six months ended in June. So that is more than three times the earnings in the same period a year ago. To what extent do you think that? Uh, surprise have given the influx of foreign visitors into Singapore? Well, the tourist arrivals in July was uh, 1.42 million compared to about 1.11 to 1.3 million for the time period April to June. Uh, so that's 300,000 more people coming through Changi Airport. So from that angle, not too much of a surprise. Uh, I think uh, this was probably the main driver that uh, drove uh, Gunting's non-gaming revenue up by about 31% quarter on quarter. And of course, naturally, some of these visitors came over just to try that out at the tables. Uh, and hence, uh, benefited Gunting uh, with a uh, increase in gaming revenue of about 20% quarter on quarter. Mm. Um, so we should see more visitors coming to sunny Singapore um, in the second half of this year. Uh, we already have got data showing that uh, flight seat capacity from China to Singapore has recovered to about 74% of uh, pre-COVID levels. 
Also, not to forget, uh, visitor numbers from Malaysia and Indonesia are also recovering quite nicely. So uh, I think Gunting is going to be an interesting company to watch for the next few months. Hmm. And let's stay in Singapore, Ben. We saw the Ministry of Trade and Industry, though, downgrading Singapore's economic growth forecast for this year to a range of between 0.5 and 1.5%, which is uh, down from 0.5 and 2.5% earlier. And that's really on the back of weak outlook for the export-driven manufacturing sector. How concerned should we be or should that already be within our expectations? Well, I see this more as a cyclical rather than a structural issue. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, China. China's growth is like luster. Uh, they must tackle the problem of youth unemployment and, of mm. course, the uh, ever-expanding problem of country garden, likely to exhibit, exacerbate the problems of the uh, Chinese property sector. Uh, if we look at the U.S., the cumulative impact of uh, successive rounds of interest rate hikes is beginning to show. So we should also expect the U.S. to slow down. So from that macro perspective, uh, I don't think it's surprising that Singapore is affected. But you know what goes down must come up. Uh, mm. You know, <laughs> Tomorrow will be better, yeah? Well, yeah, that's better, uh, my French. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to <laughs> Benjamin Go, Head of Research and Investor Education at CIAS. And uh, talking about tomorrow will be better, uh, let's take a look at UBS. It says it now will not need to tap the government's 9 billion Swiss franc backstop or the Swiss government's 9 billion Swiss franc backstop agreed as part of that takeover of Credit Suisse. Your thoughts on that? Uh, definitely great news. So no two ways about it. Uh, the backstop, if you remember, if you remember, was put in place to help shield UBS from possible losses hmm. uh, because of its acquisition of Credit Suisse. Uh, so by not tapping into the rainy day fund, that really sends a, a message that UBS has sufficient capital buffers mm-hmm. uh, and that losses are under control. So it's all good. Yeah. And uh, well, over in the US, Ben, the consumer price index came in cooler than expected on a yearly basis. Uh, to what extent does that put forth the case that there will be no rate hikes, not just for next month, but for next year, given that jobless claims also came in higher than expected? Uh, well, we can take a look at the Fed futures markets, actually. So if we look at the pricing for the 30-day Fed, Fed funds futures, and we work backwards to calculate the implied probability of a rate hike, uh, and you've set aside the voodoo economics implied in that, the probability of a further rate hike of 25 basis points in September is about 9.5%. So mm. really, the futures market is telling us that it is highly unlikely uh, to have a further rate hike. So it's going to be steady as she goes. Uh, if we look further out uh, in the futures market, same pattern occurs for both the November and December FOMC meetings as well. Um, so I think the narrative here is that professional traders are, mm, well, they think that U.S. inflation is already cooling uh, and yeah. the Fed is in a wait and see mood. Uh, and therefore, we should not be expecting any more rate hikes. Mm, okay. And finally, Ben, before we let you go, Coach Parent Tapestry, who was on our show back in March, said it will buy Michael Core owner Capri Holdings in a deal that is valued at $8.5 billion US dollars. And this will then create a US fashion powerhouse to really challenge larger European rivals. I believe if we look at Capri, there are like three mm. or so brands under it and similar case for mm. Tapestry as well. How significant is this for the luxury fashion industry globally? Well, the main revenue driver for Capri Holdings is actually Michael Kors. So the focus of Tapestry is really to revive the Michael Kors brand. Uh, if you look at the track record, they have, uh, or rather they turned around, coach as well as Kate Spade, so that's good for them. Um, and they, are, they have already outlined plans to reduce 
the uh, reliance on departmental stores and mm. increased marketing investments to expand micro-cost reach to uh, more consumers. Um, so we do have first-round reactions from a bunch of buy-side as well as sell-side analysts, and the mood appears to be that the acquisition is probably going to be challenging for the first few years, but uh, mm-hmm. Tapestry is probably the best player out there to make it a success. All right, exciting times indeed. Thanks a lot, Ben. That was Benjamin Go, head of research at SIAS. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.